Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of the Chasing Parts Golf Podcast. Um, before I go on to things uh, this week, I just want to quickly point you into the direction of uh, following our Twitter page, which is Chasing Parts under slash pod, and we are at Chasing Parts Podcast on Instagram, and we're trying to just kind of branch to follow and if you want to if you want to say that so yeah give us a follow give us a listen give us a rating review on spotify or apple podcast wherever you get your your kind of podcast and yeah let's uh let's continue hitting winners and good results and off the back of that um i am joined by a guest today in the form of Owen Vrabel, who is the host of the Draws and Fades podcast, all the way from Los Angeles. Welcome. Hello. Hey, what's going on, Greg? Pleasure to be here. Uh, it's, it's go- uh, everything's going well here, man. How are you? Uh, uh, you've obviously, you just told me off air that you've recently moved into the Los Angeles area. Um, how... How was that for you? Very stressful? Uh, not too stressful. Can't complain. It's beautiful out here in Los Angeles. Got to uh, go to the Genesis last week at Riviera, so that was fun. And, yeah, I mean, for any of your listeners that haven't been to Los Angeles, it's a beautiful place to come visit. I've never actually been to America, believe it or not, so uh, it could be on the bucket list one day. You never know, but... Um, there you go. But yeah, uh, you you said you said about Genesis just there. How how was the Genesis in in general for you? How was it to like walk the course and stuff like that? So Riviera was a awesome venue for from a viewing perspective. From you know as a as a fan, just a follower, they it was a really open layout, so it was easy to navigate, get to different holes. Um, I think obviously the sixth hole with that the bunker in the middle of the green is an awesome awesome course uh, awesome hole to view at, and the 18th hole another great hole to to kind of get out there too. So I followed around a bunch of different groups, got to see Rory up and close, my boy Ricky Fowler, uh, a couple of the big names. Obviously it was an awesome field, so pretty much any group you decided to follow was a was an awesome experience. So. It's definitely fun to be out there. Anytime you get to see these guys tee it up in person, it's always a cool experience. Yeah, 100%. Um, Joaquin Neiman, what could we say about him last week? Uh, he turned into this unbeatable... He went into robotic mode and <laughs> literally blitzed the course away. Uh, very impressive performance by the young Chilean. Yeah, he was incredible because walking that course and obviously just, you know, being a fan of golf and understanding how difficult it is to score there, the fact that he went eight under Thursday and Friday and then got himself to over 20, 20 under, I mean, obviously he finished at 19 under, but he made it really a no contest. and He really didn't have any pressure even on the back nine. Cameron Young played well, but it kind of felt like Neiman's tournament after Friday and he held strong. It was a very impressive performance for him to shoot as low as he did on that course. Yeah, considering the the kind of history with that course, 
um, with scores usually between a kind of 10 under to 15 under kind of range. Um, it was it was very surprising that obviously we got a 19 under winner, um, 17 under tight second um, with Cameron Young and Colin Morikawa. But I guess I, I guess that's what happens when you get these kind of. I think it was you'll be able to describe it better than me. But before the tournament was, uh, I believe there was a a bit of a downpour just before. Is that right? Not really. I mean, a little bit. So that the, it was definitely maybe a little softer than typical, and it never really got yeah. super hot. So it was. Really nice scoring conditions, I would say. Never really got too windy. And because up and down the board, there were more birdies made than a typical year in Riviera. So I think Tiger, you know, being the host of that tournament, was probably expecting it to play a little bit more difficult. He might have been a little upset with that. But Neiman was pretty much perfect in every aspect of his game. He's not really known for being a short game wizard by any stretch, but he was chipping in anytime anytime he got himself in a little bit of trouble he was pitching to you know inside five feet and his putter was incredible all week too which is again not something that he's known for so kind of felt like he could do no wrong and he tore that place to the ground he was incredible yeah i'm not gonna lie but uh, when i say that I, I was kind of a little bit disappointed that um Obviously, we're getting the kind of 19 underscores, which we don't really come accustomed to with Riviera, with with it being uh, always playing firm and fast. But, I mean, at the end of the day, these, these kind of players now are just going to take advantage of any any scorable conditions. And at the end of the day, Neiman was superb and deserved winner in the end. And also, Cameron Young was fantastic for yep. literally the whole tournament, which very impressed by him. Yeah, he was impressive. And it was and it was disappointing to a, to a degree because you're hoping to have a competitive tournament. And it felt like <coughs> after Friday afternoon, there were really not many guys that were going to be able to chase Neiman down. And that proved to be true. Um, so that kind of stinks when you don't have the guy who's running away with it to feel like you have a chance on Sunday. But... All credit to Neiman. He was phenomenal. So hopefully this week we'll get a little tougher test and uh, the leaderboard will be a little closer together come Sunday. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so there was one point that Neiman, um, I, think, I think it was after the 11th yesterday that he went to 21 under, uh, eagled the 11th hole and stretched his lead out to six shots, I believe. Uh, but the final the, the final gap was only two shots in the end. Uh, it was a lot of a struggle coming home for Neiman, but I guess I guess when you build up a six-shot lead, you can afford to make a, a few mistakes in the end. But uh, it was pretty easy in the end still. Yeah, I mean, and to his credit too, I think he kind of built himself such a gap that he didn't really have to make birdies down the stretch like Morikawa and and Cameron Young were kind of needing to force the issue and he was playing it relatively conservative and never gave them you know any real hope that he was going to come back to them so 
uh, yeah, hopefully this week will be a little tougher test. Any any luck on you uh, on your part from either you or your co-host Matt uh, that you obviously do the podcast with? Any luck for you guys this week or oh, last week? Sorry. So yeah, so on draws and fades, uh, our podcast, which you can find on Apple and Spotify, we love to talk about the top tens and top twenty type bets, even. success last week with uh, Bobby McIntyre he he birdied 17 which was really clutch because he ended up finishing eight under giving me a full cash on the top 20 play which was plus 490 and I had a and then I had Rory McIlroy finished inside the top 20 as well so I hit both of those I was a little disappointed in uh, Tony Finau and Will Zalatoris because they were right right on the cusp of cashing the top 20 for me as well but that's kind of what you get sometimes when you need a couple more birdies. And yeah, I think uh, Zalatoris finished one shot off a of top 20 and then Fino finishing two shots off a of top 20. Um, but yeah, we kind of like to mix in some of those plays to, you know, how hard it is to hit a winner every week in the outright market. So having some ways to make your money back on the top 20s is always nice. And we try to, to do that over at Draws and Fades. Um. I'm a big fan of like the top 20 markets, um, especially uh, especially on them long shots that you feel could have a chance to play well. Obviously, realistically, you don't think they'll win the tournament, but you've got that kind of leverage with like the top 20 finish. Like, uh, usually myself and and Jamie, sometimes we just do like if it was a DP World Tour and the PGA Tour in the same week that we kind of, you know, do a kind of crossover transatlantic okay. top 20 double. Just just like, okay. uh, I like just that. for a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah. Just for like fun. a bit of, yeah, just, just for like a bit of fun and just to kind of mix it up a little bit. So. Yeah, I I do like that. I do like that market, and uh, yeah, it can you you can get um, really nice odds on some of the players you like, especially Absolutely. if they're further further down the board anyway. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, if you like um, anyone, you like anyone over a hundred to one to play well, they can certainly <laughs> cash you a top twenty. And yeah, if you're getting anything over plus four hundred, is a nice a nice hit to make your week feel a little bit better when you don't pick the winner. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in terms of um, my, myself, uh, my picks were pretty shit. It was a pretty shit week in general for me. Um, ended up ended up doing some research for the Honda Classic on a Saturday, which isn't like me at all, so it must have been a shit week. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jason Kokrak was my best. Uh, I think it was about six under he finished, so a million miles off the pace. So yeah, that summed up my week. Uh, Jamie, his his best was Mark Leishman, who was tied fifteenth in the end, so a few shots off the places. Um, and uh, other recent co-host uh, Ryan had Colin Morikawa at twenty to one, who obviously was tight in tight second. So that was a kind of place for Morikawa, and 
he he does the other tours as well. So he does like the challenge tour and stuff like that. And he actually got a, a hundred and fifty to one place on the challenge tour uh, this week, which is pretty impressive. So yes, yeah, so it's been it's been an up and down week, but um, certainly certainly I was kind of expecting it to be a little bit of a struggle to kind of back up because I had. I had Scheffler the week before uh, at the Phoenix Open, so I usually find it hard to back up a winner, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I had Scheffler as well, so I'm in the same boat. Wasn't able to back that up with anything, but it's not easy winning back-to-back, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, um, you actually... So you actually got a, an opportunity to kind of branch out your podcast recently, didn't you? Um, if if anybody hasn't listened to the Draws of Phase podcast, um, what can what can they kind of expect from you and Matt? Uh, the kind of content and stuff out with the top twenties. Uh, what's the kind of concept of your show? Yeah, so we like to keep it pretty light, um, but we do you know, briefly recap last week's event, kind of similar to what we just did, and then get into a course preview at the current week's event. So this week we'll be at PGA National. So we'll get into, you know, what we think will work at the Honda Classic, some previous winners, some statistics as to what's worked out well. And then we get into, you know, the odds list. And we'd like to pretty much go down from top to bottom, uh, give our thoughts on guys, whether we're taking them or not, usually give our some pretty good thoughts on the board in general and then give our plays and typically get a little dicey down towards the bottom with some long shots, trying to, to feel out some, some nice juicy top 20 plays. And then we play in some one and done leagues. So we do like to, to give our thoughts on the one and done market as well. So, uh, you know, a tournament where you pick a golfer each week and you're not, you're not able to pick a guy more than once in a year. So there's some strategy there and trying to save some of the bigger names for the majors um, but yeah, yeah, we like to keep it light, keep it entertaining, and go through each week and hopefully find some winners for the listeners, which hopefully we can do today. Yeah, let's hope so, man. And um, yeah, um, obviously one of the bigger kind of the big uh, the bigger kind of advertising market, um, like stateside, is the kind of DraftKings, the DFS kind of stuff. Uh, the any of you guys kind of uh, dive into that a little bit? So we dabble, you know, pretty lightly in the DFS market. It's not something that we're, you know, something that we're going to be touting because we're not big DFS players. We're not playing a ton of lineups. But I think at the end of the day, when you're doing a podcast, people listen in and probably you're playing DFS as well. So that's more in, into going down the board and, and giving some thoughts on some longer shot guys that you can, you know, put into your lineups. Uh, but yeah, it definitely is a big market stateside. People love DFS. It's something we're probably going to get into a little bit more because there is the possibility to, you know, win a lot of money and not necessarily put that much money down. So there's some upside with DFS. We are, it's kind of an untapped market for us. Uh, right, so this week's event, uh, we are at the Honda Classic for, um, no, sorry, we're at Craig, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 uh, 
We're at PGA National. We, yes, we are at PGA National. Sorry. Uh, we kind of cut that bit out. Um, we're at PGA National uh, for the Honda Classic, is what I was trying to say. Um, <laughs> last, year's, last year's winner was obviously Matt Jones, where he won by five at 12 under. He was so impressive that week. Um, was it? Yeah. He's actually he's actually a very good player, isn't he, Matt Jones? Um, he's 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 kind of recently in the past year kind of come under my radar anyway. Uh, he's definitely a good player. Yeah, yeah, he is an impressive uh, another Aussie that's proven himself able to you know win on the PGA Tour, which is not easy. So I'm sure he wasn't too highly talked about last year, but he will definitely be getting some shout outs this year. And he's you know he's in the middle of the of the outright market and you know it's still at an affordable price if you think he can go back to back i mean he's certainly got a capability on this type of test as he shown last year it's just so hard to go back to back wasn't it man so yeah ridiculous yeah me and matt talk about that on our podcast it's really tough to pick a guy who won the previous year's event to you know, defend his title, so to speak, and win back-to-back years. It's extremely tough with all the, you know, good golfers that are out there, especially even some no-name guys. Um, I mean, Matt Jones would agree was a little bit unknown last year. So they're definitely got like a mixed bag this week of some of the top players in the field play well here. And then sometimes you get some long shot guys that aren't necessarily known winners that have been able to win here too. So, uh, so we're playing the champion course um, as uh, as we usually do uh, when we play the Honda Classic at PGA National. Uh, it's just a shade over seven thousand and forty yards uh, past seventy. Uh, we're playing on Bermuda grass with uh, Bermuda Tiff uh, Bermuda Tiff Eagle greens. Uh, please don't, please don't try and copy that with a Scottish accent because it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it's so hard. Um, it's it was designed by Tom Fazio uh, originally, uh, but got a redesigning by Jack Nicholas in 2014 uh, with the inclusion of the bear pit. Which uh, the bear trap, sorry, um, which is the uh, one of the toughest freehold stretches in in the world of golf. Uh, how much do you know about the bear pit? Um, is it as intimidating as it looks on the TV? Do you think so? I, it's definitely intimidating, but it's funny because this course in general, I think the bear trap is you know the the, the thing that gets all the highlights, but. Like I think it's 12 out of the 18 holes in this course are going to play over par for the field. So there's a bunch of tough tests on this course, but that is a, one of the toughest stretches in golf. And like you mentioned earlier, the P- PGA National is one of the tougher tests we're going to see on the PGA Tour uh, that's not an, a major field event. So we don't have some, you know the top players in the world here, but the guys that show up here year in and year out know how tough it is to make birdies on this course. So the bear trap. If you can get it, if you can get out of there, even par, you're feeling pretty good about yourself because you could easily go bogey, 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 and be going on to 18 at the par five and hope you can get one back. But it's not easy. 
Yeah. Um, I always feel like for such a for such a, a fantastic golf course and a pretty pretty decent event, it it deserves a full full quality, full strength field. Uh, Rather yeah. than the kind of rather than the kind of field that it, it seems to get over the past few years, it's it's a little bit a little bit disappointing to be honest. And considering how how much of a test it is, yeah, it's weird. I think it, it it's for whatever reason this event has gotten moved around a bunch, so it's not it hasn't been played over the same period of time um, like this this year. It's in February, and I think last year it was as well, but it's kind of gotten moved around a bit. So some guys, it just doesn't work with their schedule. We're coming up on, you know, we're getting close to master's week. So different guys have different avenues. They like to go in terms of their schedule before playing in the first major event. So it is a little disappointing though, because this course definitely deserves having the top players in the world here. And we, you know, we're not really getting that. Although I will say this year's field is a bit better than, than years previous. Um, we don't have any of the top 10 players in the world, but we got some bigger names coming this year that I think will make it a little more interesting than, than usual. Uh, j- just to kind of gloss over the previous winners here um, over since 2013. So we've got obviously Matt Jones last year, one by five at 12 under. Brandon Hagee was second. I bet, I bet you uh, no one would have really had Brandon Hagee as a runner-up. <laughs> no, probably not, no. <laughs> Certainly uh, not me. Sungjae won, fir- <laughs> won his first uh, PGA Tour title in 2020 in, uh, in very good fashion. Very um, dramatic fashion, actually, at six under, uh, where he beat the, the absolute putting machine that week which was Mackenzie Hughes yeah. uh, by one shot I mean that I mean I remember that that year and Mackenzie Hughes ridiculous he was just popping them in from everywhere yeah and it wasn't that the year too that Fleetwood played really well and he was in the mix too I think oh yeah F- F- Fleetwood finished third um yeah, he put it in the water at 18, I believe, uh, yeah. to mess up his chances of actually yep. winning. Yeah. Uh, Killer Keith, Keith Mitchell won in 20, 2019 at nine under. Uh, Ricky Fowler and Bruce Kepka were the runners up then. 2018, Justin Thomas at eight under in a playoff against Luke List. 2017, Ricky Fowler at 12 under by four. Uh, 2016, Adam Scott at 9-under. Uh, 2015 was Patrick Harrington's second victory at 6-under in a playoff against Daniel Berger. 2014, Russell Henley uh, won at 8-under in a playoff. The runners-up, there was three that year, Russell Knox, Ryan Palmer and Rory McIlroy. And 2013 was Michael Thompson at 9-under, nine, nine 1-by-2. Um, so, a mixture there of um, of of winners um, at the Honda Classic, but yeah, v- v- very much still a very kind of strong deck of players that have won over here in recent years. 
Yeah, it seems it's like the best players in this field, you know, typically you're not getting a ton of the best players, but they seem to play well here, which makes sense. I mean, it's a tough test. Best players in the world usually are, you know, better at avoiding bogeys and kind of getting by at this course and trying to make pars along the way. And we have seen a few names. I mean, Russell Henley, when he went, when he won in 2014, was still relatively unknown. Uh, he went off at some pretty deep odds. And then, you know, Matt Jones winning last year. But then we've seen guys like Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka, like you mentioned, Rory, uh, the bigger names play well here. So definitely, definitely a tough week to decide whether you want to take some longer shots or take some guys towards the top or, you know, do a little bit of both. Yeah, I just the the field this week. Uh, I mean, there's still there's still some big names in the field, but compared to any other kind of PGA Tour event, it's pretty lacking in star quality. Uh, I believe this week anyway. Uh, in comparison to next week at Bay Hill, where everybody's going to be there. So yeah, yeah, people love the. Uh the Arnold Palmer. So it's interesting though, because obviously Arnold Palmer having passed, we'll see if that's something that it still gets as many big names, but I, I think it will, but it's interesting because we talked about, yeah, Honda for whatever reason, doesn't draw that, that, you know, really good field that we'd be looking forward to. So got to work with what we got this week. Yeah, definitely. So uh, the odds in the market. So we've got Sung JM who's the twelve to one favourite uh, here in the UK. Um, probably justified um, with his. Well, he won it in twenty twenty, and he had a eighth place finish last year too. Um, so one and eight for a kind of. Two visits to the course is pretty, pretty nice going. <laughs> pretty good, yeah, pretty good from Sanjay. And he's actually in good form as well too. Um, I actually had him last week uh, at the Genesis. I thought he'd go well. Um, he had a poor third round, shooting a 75, but actually came back with a 67 in the final round to finish in a tie for 33rd. So he's actually in good. He's actually in good form. 33rd, 6th, 11th, and 8th in his last five starts. Um, and obviously had the win at the Shriners Children's Open uh, in the fall. So, yeah, I would say I would say the deserve a favourite and uh, wouldn't surprise me if he won this week, to be honest. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either, but... It- it's tough to bet Sungjae when he's the favorite in the event. Um, you know, he's certainly, a, you know, in this field, one of the best players here. But, you know, seeing him at 12 to 1, it's not super appealing to bet on him. Um, when there are some other, you know, great golfers that are a little bit better priced. Uh, um we're gearing up for this next one, um, as 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 avid listeners will know uh, about my my love for Daniel Berger, uh, sixteen to sixteen to one. I mean, I know he has, I know he has a a, a playoff loss in twenty fifteen and a fourth in twenty twenty uh, to his name, 
but Daniel Berger, 16 to 1. I think I want to be sick in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you're not a big Daniel Berger guy. I get it. But yeah, it's, you know, there's also going to be, people are going to talk about it a lot. He is a Florida guy. Like he plays a lot of golf um, down in Florida. He's from the area. He played college golf at Florida State. So he's definitely familiar with the course and familiar with, you know, playing on Bermuda. But it is tough seeing him in the in the mid teens in terms of betting on him, especially when it, there's rumors and not even rumors. I mean, he said he's he's injured, he's got a back issue. So who knows what you're gonna get with Danny Berger this week? But I don't think it's a bad, I don't think it's a bad week to stay away. If if I make an ass of myself this week and he ends up winning, uh, you, you can you can call me out on it if you want, but I'll give you a few reasons why to not back Daniel Berger at sixteen to one this week. One is sixteen to one. Two, he's not he's not won since Pebble Beach, is he? But that's still getting closer to the to the no winning sixteen. <laughs> that, kind, yeah. that, that kind of margin uh, three is made of plastic he's, he's easily breakable uh, four is I just think he's very overrated wow alright there, there you go yeah you know what he does get a lot of a lot of love from the on the odds list I, you know his, his iron game when it's on is one of the best in the world but He's certainly not consistent enough in winning events to be priced down here. You know, I guess it's the Florida, the Florida swing vibes from Daniel Berger, but I, you know, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not taking Berger this week. Second, second favorite. I know it's a shit field, but come on, uh, give me, <laughs> give me strength. Oh, uh, right. Swiftly moving on. Um, the kind of next. Uh, sorry, actually, I was good. I actually written your kind of people you were looking to speak about down, and I'll literally looking at it just now. I forgot. Uh, we've got so the next, so the next kind of four, five in the market. Um, you want to speak about one of them, uh, which I'll let you do in a minute. But before that, we've got Ustazen. Uh, and Brooks kept uh, Joaquin Neiman if if he doesn't withdraw all at twenty to one. Um, a guy you're gonna come on to twenty two to one in the market. Uh, and Tommy Fleetwood uh, back in the field this week uh, at the Honda Classic is about the twenty eight to one mark. Any of any of them four kind of make appeal to you before you want to go into Horsham? Um, I, I do. I love Tommy Fleetwood. So I'm always intrigued by him when he's playing an event like this, where there's not a lot of big names. I wish he was at a little bit better price. And on the U S markets, he's around 14 to 16 to one. He's actually, you can get him at 20 to one on FanDuel, but, um, kind of tough to back Tommy over stateside. He doesn't, doesn't close the door on many. Well, he hasn't closed the door on any events on the PGA tour. So there's that with Tommy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said about the better players in this field usually rise to the top. So I think you could place a bet on a few of these guys and feel pretty confident you're going to have someone in the mix come Sunday. Do you think Bruce Hazen is just a little, 
Sorry, do you think Oosthuizen is just a little bit too skinny in the market, considering he's still got the zero wins in America? Yeah, I, I, I'm I, torn on Oosthuizen. I, he's one of those guys that I've kind of labeled as just can't win. and But he's incredible and pretty much he's a very well-rounded golfer. So I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up getting his first win stateside this week. But I don't love Louie. In a you know at the number he's at, but then again I mean I don't, he's as consistent as you can get, and especially on difficult golf courses and difficult conditions, he usually plays well. So I think a lot of people will be on Louis this week, but it's not going to be me. That's fair enough. I'm just I'm I'll just save him for St Andrews, which I'll probably inevitably back him. So I'll just save him till then till a major. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably smart. Uh, just what you were on about Fleetwood there. He's uh, he was fourth in twenty eighteen and obviously third and was in the lead for a bit in twenty twenty um, before kind of chucking it away a little bit. Uh, handed it handing the, uh, the initiative to um, Sung Jay and Mackenzie Hughes, but two two top five finishes there. Um, he's actually on his last his last start in the strokes gained data in Dubai Desert Classic. He ranked first for tee to green and first for approach and eighth off the tee. So he's clearly he's clearly hitting it unbelievably well. But when you when I go into his putting, you're just gonna shake in your boots. <laughs> Seventy eight. Strokes gained putt and losing over 3.8 strokes to the field. That's not good. It's not <laughs> good. I just, I just question Tommy under pressure, especially under pressure putting. The, the, yeah. This past couple of years is very off-putting at times, and I love Fleetwood. Uh, he's got a, such a great attitude and. Uh, he seems like a great guy, but really, I really worry about him sometimes. Yeah, it's tough to it's tough to trust Tommy to to win an event, but I you know I do love his game. We'll see if he can make a move this week. He clearly likes the course, so I think he could be in play. Uh, Billy Horschel was attractive to you this week. Billy Horschel is on my short list of guys up here that I think could potentially get my money. I mean. He's been in really good form. He's made his last 10 cuts on the PGA Tour, you know, most recently finished 6th at the Phoenix Open, 11th at the Farmers, um, and he's played well at this event. He's got two top 10s back in 2017, 2016, and a couple of years ago finished 16th in 2019. So I think you know, those two contributing factors where I think he's in really good form, obviously one over in Europe recently as well, um, I think he's going to be one of the better players here this week. So, you know, getting him at 20 to 1, 20, 22 to 1 roughly, I think is a pretty good number for Billy. And I know he's not the most likable guy on, on tour, but he his game shapes up well here. His irons over a little bit of extended period of time haven't been that elite, so to speak. But his around-the-green game in terms of sand saves, scrambling, 
is putting on Bermuda. All numbers that I'm looking at this week are all in the top 20 um, in this field. So that being said, I think he's a good a good play this week, uh, no matter how you're looking at it, because he's gonna he's gonna be able to grind his way through this course and make some pars when he needs to. And I think he'll be around on the weekend. Um, unbelievably, he's not missed a cut since the U.S. Open last year, and that Crazy. is he's made he's, he's made his last 14 cuts in a row uh, on the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour. So that tells you all you need to know. He's an unbelievable form. I always say on the show, I said that a few times now, that I think Billy Horschel is a severely underrated player. And like for how much he's achieved in the game, I, th- I think he goes a little bit unnoticed sometimes. Yeah, I think it's because people just don't like him that much. <laughs> he is kind of a... His personality is not endearing by any means, so... I don't know. I, me and me and Matt on our podcast kind of like to like the Billy Ho bandwagon every now and again, and I think this week is a pretty good week to get on it. Uh, one of the best players in the field, in great form, good course history, kind of has everything you need to do to play well here. So I think Billy is a good a good look this week. You've you, you've got a couple of here in the kind of thirty three and thirty five kind of range that you want to gloss over, um, including a former winner of this event. Um, well, yeah, actually, I do like, oh, as I mentioned, I do like Shane Lowry a bit this week. I don't know if I'll get there um, for for him to win. I mean, the number is not as appealing as I'd like it to be. Um, but a, a former winner that I do like, and his number is not nearly as appealing as it usually is either, but Killa Keith Mitchell. Um, he's around like 40 to 1. You might be able to get maybe a little bit better of a number, but He's been playing some great golf, uh, is a former champion, and he's really strong off the tee, really good at you know scrambling around golf courses. He's sixth in scrambling gained over his last 36 rounds in this field and eighth in bo- bogeys avoided. So his irons can be a bit shaky at times, and he's a, a volatile putter. He's either putting really well or putting really poorly. And that kind of can lead to wins when he's putting really well. He definitely has the ability to win. Um, so it's weird. He, he's missed a cut twice at this event and won and finished 53rd. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag there, but he's coming in playing really good golf, you know, finished 10th at the Phoenix open and 12th at Pebble beach um, and seventh at the Sony open back in January. So three top 12s in his last you know, four events in, in the last couple of months. So playing good golf, I think he'll be a good play this week. I'll probably take him for a top 20 as well. So I love Killer Keith's game. I think this is a good a good course setup for him. Yeah, I mean, no reason why he can't go well again. I just think, I just think it's a little short. But at the same time, I question what, what kind of price can you make him? Though that's the question. What was that? Uh, sorry, uh, I, I was saying that um, that yeah, it could definitely go well. I just think it's a little bit short, but at the same time, I question what kind of price range can you make Keith Mitchell uh, at places won before? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, usually you get Keith Mitchell, you know, like 70, 80 to one in a decent field. 
And when it's a really good field, usually he's a, you know, a hundred to one or, or, or better. So you usually get much better odds on Mitchell, but you know, him being a former champion and playing really good golf, you know, I guess his, his numbers got slashed a bit. So kind of got to deal with it. It's not uh, the most appealing number for Keith, but I think it's worth it this week. So my f- my first one is at 33 to 1, which is Alex Norton, who has been playing uh, relatively consistent. He's made his last three cuts, um, 48th last week at the Genesis Invitational. Uh, he was he was in the kind of top twenty range come early Saturday. Uh, kind of fell away a little bit uh, towards the week uh, towards the weekend, but um, still a respectable finish. Forty uh, eighth that came after a sixth at the Phoenix Open and thirty ninth at the Farmers Insurance. Um, couple of miscut couple of miscuts before that at the Amex and the RSM Classic. So. He's made his last three cuts. Um, last last week at the Genesis, he was 16th on approach, 27 for Keith Green and 36 for Scrambling. Uh, at Phoenix, he was first for strokes game putting, first in the whole field for strokes game putting, uh, 34th for team, 33rd for Tita Green. So he's, he's striking the ball uh, pretty well. Um, Obviously, I had a fantastic putting week at Phoenix, uh, not so much in Genesis, but if you can get that putter rolling, uh, the kind of same kind of scrambling figures, that's what I kind of looked at this week, being the key kind of traits for being being able to scramble uh, and uh, strong putters. And uh, with that kind of strong putting performance at Phoenix, I thought it was quite appealing. And uh, he has a uh, a third place finish in 2018 at the PGA National so um, he has been in contention uh, before so that's also a positive sign so yeah uh, I mean for the way he's playing just now um, I thought in a weakened field uh, Norton's one of the more classier players uh, in the field and I, I thought I'd start my card with uh, the experience Swede this week um, I like uh, it. I feel it's a pretty. I feel yeah, it's actually, a, I like. He's in a place, yeah. Yeah, I like that play a lot. I mean, Norton, like you said, I think he's he's a veteran at this point. You know, he's kind of gets lost in the weeds sometimes. You know, him not always finishing too high in certain events, but he likes it here and he has played pretty pretty good golf over the last few weeks. So, I mean, obviously the Phoenix Open was a great putting week, but. I do think this game shapes up well for the Honda. It's nice that he does have a top five finish here, and he is probably one of the classier guys in the field um, in terms of past success on the PGA Tour and, and the Euro Tour. So I like Norn. Again, I think this whole week, a lot of these guys, you're looking at prices that you wouldn't typically see them at. It'd be nicer to see Norn, you know, 50 to 1 maybe. But in this field, he's one of the better players. So I think he's worth a shot at 33. Any thoughts on any of the next three guys, uh, which includes the defending champion, Matt Jones? Um, any thoughts on my, uh, Matthew Wolf, Mio Pereira and Matt Jones, uh, all between the 45 and 50 range? I mean, I think Wolf and Mito 
are both going to be popular this week. They're both young guys that have shown a lot of promise. Obviously, Wolf has won on the PGA Tour before, so he's proven he can do it. It's kind of tough to back them at the numbers they're at. I know Mito is going to be very popular this week. He's, you know, an excellent ball striker, and he's started to figure out things with his putter. So maybe this is a Mito week. I think there's some better numbers on some some other golfers a little bit down the board. But, yeah, I, I'm not going to get there with, with any of those three. Matt Jones, we talked about it a little bit. It's really tough to go back-to-back on the PGA Tour, so I can't imagine he's going to come back and win and defend his title, especially if, you know, whatever he's at, 45, 50 to one, not very appealing for me. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a course where we have seen some Australians have some success here. I think it's due to the, you know, they're pretty consistent playing in the winds and usually in tougher conditions can kind of fight through that and make pars. But I don't think I would get there with any of those three guys. Um, just not really feeling it with those guys this week. I think, I think, if Mito, Mito Pereira wins, I think uh, we should all log off Twitter like forever, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might want to log off Twitter if Mito wins. There'll be a lot of people celebrating that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was between Mito and, well, this this next pick at 50-1, who, in many regards, is the king of the tough courses. Um, it's Christian Bezaidenhoff. Bezaden out. Um, I just think with Bez, with Bez, this kind of two-week stretch is Bez territory. Um, the Honda Classic, uh, uh, as I said, pre- uh, as I said previously, um, the the previous winning scores recently have been twelve under, six under, nine under, eight under, twelve under, nine under, six under, eight under and nine under since 2013 uh, that that kind of scoring range is uh, def- definitely Bezadenhout's um, kind of kind of game between that kind of score range uh, he's obviously he's one of two of the toughest courses um, on the well the formerly European sir one of them being the hardest, the hardest course on the European Tour, Valderrama, won by six shots at ten under, and they won at Leopard Creek as well, which is also a notoriously tough track uh, back in South Africa. So he's got two wins uh, to his name at tough tracks. Uh, one of one of the classier, one of the classier South African players in the field. Uh, I I just love Bez. He's, he's, he's such a humble guy. He's such a great player. Um, and uh, a notoriously tough track. It's 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 just always hard to to leave Bezenah out because uh, I, I I know I know how much um, he can play well at these type of tracks. He's actually, yeah, I love that player. I love that. He's actually in not bad form, um, steady form. Uh, he missed a cut last week, uh, which was his first in, I think it was about, yeah, it's his first in about seven seven starts. Uh, before that, he had 14th at Pebble Beach, 46th at Farmers, 40th at the Amex, and 17th at Sony Open in Hawaii. 
He was first for scrambling, uh, first for scrambling, six for the tee, uh, six for putting, uh, which she'd come accustomed to with Bazaine uh eight for accuracy, and 20th or uh, tee to green at Pebble Beach uh, on his last cup made. He's got seventh and the 18th uh, place finishes at the API, uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational, which he always seems to play well. As I say, he's just a fantastic player, and um, the the way he's playing um, is very encouraging. And I thought at that kind of price range in this type of field, uh, he's definitely got to have a shout because when you've got the short game and the putting skills of Bazaar and how you've got every chance. I love it. Yeah, I'm going to be with you on Cbez this week. I think this is a perfect course for him. I know he hasn't played at this event before, but he, like you said, he does have success. Uh, next week's course at Bay Hill, Arnold Palmer, he's a couple top 20s. And yeah, I mean, I used Fantasy National to run some statistics, and every model I ran, you know, he was popping into, into, into the top five. He's, his irons have been good. He's, you know, top 20 in strokes gain approach over his last 36 rounds. His, Mid to short, mid to, to long irons have been you know phenomenal as well, and he loves putting on Bermuda. He's over his last 36 rounds first in this field in strokes gained putting on Bermuda. He's good out of the sand, a good scrambler, pretty much a full package in terms of playing well on tough courses. So it's hard to not take him at 50 to one. I and actually I think he'll probably be pretty popular because I think a lot of people will be thinking similarly to us. But you know it is tough to win, so we'll see if he can get it done. I but I think yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry about in there, but I, I don't actually I actually think Pereira's going to be more popular than Bazaine. And to be honest, let everybody back Pereira because that that, that means that Bazaine, that, that gives me more uh, more confidence with Bez. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, because honestly, I think he could have easily been priced down, you know, towards Norn and Matthew Wolf and like the 35s, and you got to. I see him at 50 to one. That's a pretty good number for Cebes when, like I said, he loves the tough courses and in a weaker field, he's going to be one of the best players in this field. So I, I love the, the Cebes shout this week. Uh, my next one at 66 to one, uh, which is six places. Uh, it's uh, Mackenzie Hughes, um, who is plays some good stuff. He's already. He's already had a second place finish at the RSM Classic uh, in November. Uh, he he also had a he also had a 16th at Pebble Beach uh, not long ago, 29th at the Houston Open. Mister Cut Mister Cut last week and Mister Cut at the Farmers. Um, make of that what you will, but I just uh, I just think with his kids. Uh, when we go along the lines of um, strong putters and good scramblers, uh, you can add Mackenzie Hughes to that list. Uh, 